Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send in the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company, CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of Kings Park. Here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Well, we're back. You're listening to Sports Talk New York. I'm A.J. Carter. There's Ryan Sherman. And I'm doing the intro for this segment, which only means one thing. Mark has another book out <laughs> in this case. So he's letting me do the intro. And actually, I'm not going to do a 4,000-word intro like you usually do, except to say this is a book that is uh, unfortunately about hockey. But it's uh, it's Mark's third book. Oh, it's the second one he's done with Harry Carpenter. No, it's the third one. The studio. Why don't you go that? What's your third book? It's the second one you've done with Harry Carpenter. No, it's the third this, one I've done with Harry Carpenter. Okay. Third, I think it was all second. three. No, all three. Okay, I'm wrong. Okay, we're like thirty seconds in. It's the third one, Harry Carpenter. And he blows. Here we go. Okay, so it's the third one. This one, this one is. You lost your shot at Hollywood Palace. Yeah, I'll leave. Enjoy the rest of the show and interview yourself. No, this one, this one is this one is called New York Rangers by the Numbers: A Complete Team History of the Broadway Blue Shirts by Uniform Number. It, I will say this: I read part of it, which for a hockey book is a lot for me, and. You know, it it's makes a uh, good bathroom reading. No, it's it's actually a, a good book. And let me just talk start a little bit. Don't undervalue with, bathroom uh, reading. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the book actually is very different from your previous two, Shoot to Thrill and Down in the Corner. And those books relied heavily on interviews with players. This book seems to consist more of archival research. So can the two of you talk a little bit about the process that led to the production of this book? Okay, so what led to this book is, you know, the two other books with Howie, and I, I so enjoy working with Howie. And the first two were different. It was a lot of interviews and, you know, a lot of transcribing interviews and making them fit to the different portions of, of what we had. Um, players that were on Kiner's Corner talking about it, uh, people with opinions, how he did the tremendous research and shoot the thrill with all, all the prior incarnations of how we got to the shootout. Um, but we enjoyed the process of working together, and we're at Madison Square Garden a lot, and we talk, and we say, you know, after the second one, eh, and I said, you know, I said, you know what, let's do another one. And Howie came up with a great idea, which we pitched, and it happened to be about a Major League Baseball All-Star game, which had how many future? 71 All-Star game. Something like 18 Hall of Famers. Right, and we thought that was a tremendous idea for a book. So we pitched it, and they say, well, there's nothing like the It's very interesting, the publishing industry also, because they look for similar type of books. Okay. They go, well, there's nothing out there like that, so we're not interested in that. So, but we really thought that would be a great book. So then we started looking at our publisher and, and things they have. And as you know, we had years ago Matthew Silverman, right. who did Mets by the Numbers. Yeah. There's a whole baseball series of by the numbers, but they're more tongue-in-cheek type. We started thinking, wow, the Rangers by the numbers would be unbelievable. So we pitched that idea, but we also pitched it, it wasn't going to be tongue-in-cheek. We don't, you know, the Rangers, both of us, are we're true diehard Ranger fans. Yes, yes, I've known that for many, many years. <laughs> we didn't want to do, like, tongue-in-cheek. We didn't want to group them like the number ones were just goalies and things like that. We wanted the meat uh, of the Ranger history. So we pitched it, they liked it. And then we started it, and Howie, has Howie was beyond amazing on this. The amount of research that Howie did and, and the amount of work he put into this is phenomenal. You, you can so take Howie, Howie, talk a little bit about how 
this book different from the other two and different from the other books that you've done? Well, it's a lot more work for one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, a lot of lot and, more players, and uh, it was a challenge because I had, had to do one number at a time. You know, get through the numbers. So it kind of like it was laid out for you, pretty much. And you know, in doing the research, I found that some Ranger players really haven't gotten their due over the years. Like number five, Bill Cook. He's one of the great Rangers of all time. Maybe that number five should be up there in the rafters, with all due respect to Dan Girardi. But you know, that's that's some of the stuff I found out. And obviously some of the trinkets, or I would say, or the little nuances in Ranger history, like Bill Chadwick's expression for uh, Carol Vadney that he couldn't put the puck in the ocean if he was standing at the end of the pier. I found that a Ranger who eventually went to Detroit, who before he became a Ranger, went, was in, in Detroit, and he came to New York, and they actually did a publicity stunt with a reporter. They put him on the end of a pier to try to put the puck in the ocean. And then they made up two stories that, one, the first time he tried it, the seagull swooped in and stole it. And then the other time was it landed on a barge and floated away or something like that. So, you know, stuff like that was amusing. And the history of this team was amazing. I mean, we had the New York Americans early in their tenure. You know, they call the Rangers the original six, but they weren't right, in the we, league in the first year. We had 1926. They didn't come the, until the, the next Americans, year. Uh, so, a few weeks ago. Yeah. So how did you do the research? Was a lot of looking, I hate to date myself, microfilm, microfiche, looking at old newspaper clippings, or how did you go about doing a lot There's of nothing like old newspaper clippings. I mean, they're, they're accurate. You, you know, you gotta, you're not going to get better re research from the old newspapers. And I I had one real big source, the Montreal Gazette, because they always had hockey recaps in there. Almost every game you could get a recap, at least a few lines on what went on with the box score. Sometimes they would not print on a certain day, and then they'd, they'd load the page with box scores from previous days, so yet you find that box score. So it's fascinating to find, like, a player's first goal, the date he did it. And we know, found discrepancies, like, too, between yeah. the Rangers' website, yes. which was the initial task was going through all the Rangers rosters, putting them in a database, which Ryan was, Ryan, yeah. the intern at we're, that we're point. We can bring Ryan in a little right, bit later. What was tremendous because I would send him, my spreadsheets were, which on a Mac is different, and, and Ryan was able to really compile that, which then went to Howie, which then we, we corroborated if, in fact, it was the right date and the right goal, then went back to Ryan to double-check it, and then went back to Howie. There was a it was, lot of discrepancies, yeah. including with the other yeah. numbers that players wore, War. things like that. Yeah. So, in fact, there were some historical inaccuracies too, from things they were reporting on NHL.com and things like that. So, yeah, so it was, this is it was not, fascinating. I'm really, this is a reference book. Right? Yeah, you, you, absolutely. You pick it by the numbers. You look. It's organized by the number. Everybody had number one, number two, number three, and you go through. So, who do you think then will most appreciate the book? The longtime Ranger fan who might have seen some of the older time Rangers, such as Harry Howell, like I remember seeing. Or the younger fan who might know anything about, say, even Brad Park? That's an interesting question. I think both. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I it's interesting, especially because, like Ryan. Ryan, how long have you been a Ranger fan? I would say I really got passionate post-lockout. So that's like 06, 07, and I was very passionate then. But then looking into this book, I see things about Harry Howell, the amount of games he played, and I'm like, wow, what kind yeah. of player is that? And I read the blurb, and there's things about how he was taken before there was even a youth draft, and he was just put on the reserves. Yeah. There's something like that where, like, as someone who did the research for this book, I did the statistical stuff, and then you guys took it and went beyond and found those stories about how these players came to be and... Things like that. But let me ask you a question. So you're post-lockout. So let's take, for instance, uh, 
Well, well take, take anybody from the, from the great let, Ranger teams of the 70s. Well, no, let, let's just okay. throw out there a, a number, um, like 16. Like, when I say the number 16, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Or, or 18, 18. 18, Mark Stahl. 16 would be Broussard, the most recent right. Rangers right. in those things. So, I mean, you guys. so immediately, when you say a number to a Ranger fan, and the longer a person is a Ranger fan, the more they pull from. Like, we'll say 20 to him, and I guarantee it's yeah. going to be Chris Kreider, but for me, we... Jan we Erickson. Jan Erickson. For me, it's Greg Polis. So there's right. different guys that trigger your mind. Phil Goyette. So, uh, Phil Goyette, that's, that's, that's really... He was my favorite that, Ranger yeah. when I started following the, the team. But, so, so when so, you ask who it, who, it would, who it appeals to, anyone that has been a Ranger fan for, for I would say, five to ten years or more, this book appeals well, to. Yeah, so, so it's a combination of informational for the younger fan and nostalgic. Yes. For right. the older fan. Yeah, absolutely. So as you look, and, and, and the way the book is organized, by the numbers, and they take a number of different players who have worn the same number. And you have profiles of the more significant ones in each chapter. So how do you go about deciding, you know, who would lead each chapter if you, if you had a toss-up? Was it newer? Was it older? How did you make the decisions? Who would lead the chapter? Just the impact on the team. Yeah. Like Messier has so, to be eleven, yeah. and there are other guys who may I mean, have played well, longer. Well, it wasn't 11. that that clear, but it, it was it was basically a value judgment. Who you felt had the greatest impact? Like on ten, the team. I had Ron Duguay as the top guy, and twenty six, Dave Malone. No, no, no Ron Duguay was no, not. Faber, Faber, we had that. That's what led to the conversation. No, but that's, that, that's that was the conversation. that was the conversation we had. We went back and forth, right. and we felt they were both. You know, very significant ranges, but I think in the end we went with the with fact Fairburn. that Fairburn played yeah. more games and really had an impact. But it's, in it was the, almost a toss-up. Well, it is a toss-up. Fairburn is titled from Duguay to Miller. Real, right. Yeah, but yeah. Fairburn loved the chapter. Right. So, but, but the interesting thing is, and Steve Overmeyer asked this last night, was how did you guys, and I said, listen, the book is 492 pages. Yeah. After number one, Howie and I did not debate a long time over who would be two, three, and four in the right. chapter. Yeah. <laughs> so, so even for the for the the hardcore fans right. and older fans, there are stories they might not know, especially about Rangers from the 20s and 30s. One that amused me, basically, was today so politically incorrect, is how <laughs> original Ranger Ching Johnson got his nickname. Do you remember that? Maybe you can tell our listeners about that. Some yeah. of the stories that were favorites of yours you, you didn't know. He was a cook. Okay. He, cooked, he well, cooked Chinese food. Because in the old days, right. when they went on campouts, they would right. bring a cook, they, and they the cook was apparently Chinese. Was yeah. He and served a few purposes. Right, so yeah. He was the cook. <laughs> he was the cook. So what, what other story you know, did you learn that, that you found particularly interesting or fond of? Yeah. For me, it was definitely the the Lorne Shabatsky, uh, and you know, to able to to actually go on the internet and, and find box scores where he was listed as Lorne Shabatsky. He was totally against it, and it stopped. But it was in in the late twenties, Madison Square Garden wanted to appeal the, the they wanted the the game to draw in Eastern European Jewish fans. So Lorne Shabbat, you know, Shabbat. Oh, let's yeah. make him Shabatsky sound even more Jewish. He's not Jewish at all, but home games, he was listed as Lorne Shabatsky. <laughs> which just, could you imagine that today? I mean, that, that no. boggled my mind. That was one of my favorites for sure. Uh, the fact also in that same chapter of number one is you have uh, Dave Kerr and um, the other goaltender. Um, wow, I'm space. No, no. They, they, they were Dave Kerr and the, um, oh, was it Shabbat? Lorne Shabbat. Yeah. Both appeared. On Time Magazine, they were the first two hockey players ever to appear on the cover of Time Magazine, which I found fascinating that two New York Rangers would be the guys that were the first 
hockey players ever to appear on Time Magazine. I thought that was fascinating. That was one of the inconsistencies. It was believed Kerr was, was the first, and then right. I had to research it and found Shabbat was the first. Right. I was fascinated by the 60s when I started you know, following into the 70s, those kind of stories, and also the Lester Patrick story when he had to come in to play goal and then he, how he pulled the guy off from the sidelines, Joe Miller, and ended up winning the Stanley Cup. He played in three playoff games, went 2-1, and one and won the, won the Stanley Cup game for the Rangers, and that was it. So I, remember, I looked at the goalies, and I remember, the, I remember Marcel Pai, who backed up oh. Gump Worsley. Oh. And you know, that was the day when they were very good goalies playing in the minor leagues because there were only six Started and the only teams only carried one goalie. And I never realized Johnny Bauer's history yeah. with the Rangers and how he became great after he left. Right. And then Tim Horton. You know, yeah, everyone thinks about Tim Horton. Add, yeah. I was right. just about to add someone my age might think, oh, Tim Horton is just Donuts, a coffee right, place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And he was a great was hockey great, player, right? too. But. And then you look into it. At 20, that was part of one of the things I liked about the research is I looked into it and I saw 27 years in the NHL. That I'm 24 years old. That's <laughs> yeah, just that unbelievable. Right. And then just the fact that he played two years with the Rangers, I didn't know. That's another right. part of what this book could bring to somebody. Is that a little so bit... interesting you were born in 94 or 93? 93. Uh, October, 93. <laughs> Beginning of the season. Right. So you did do some interviews in the book. Or the we, we did a lot of interviews, but a lot of them because of the, the amount of information in the book an entire chapter on announcers is gone. Yeah. Yeah. We just never, never saw the light of day. I had much more stuff in the early going, and I had to just cut it out because we never have finished the now, book. Now, what I... What I one that struck me as I read there, you know, about Dale Rolfe, who was a favorite player of me watching uh, there, and the fight with Dave Schultz in the playoffs. And you have Brad Park talking about that, about why they didn't come to Dale Rolfe's defense. Right. Because, one, talk a little about that. What, you know. Because in those days, third man yeah. in, you would have lost a man, whoever went and in. It was there. early in the game. And, early in the game. And, and it was early in the game. It was first, about mid first period. First period. I think like eight, the, nine minutes, right? Toward the second yeah. half of the first period. Yeah. yeah, they would have lost a player. They couldn't afford to do that. So, what was the biggest surprise for each of you in working on this book? I think the surprise was the inconsistencies of not only the Rangers, but the NHL and just all different publications. In fact, we're still not 100% sure of what number Larry Kwong wore. Okay, I spoke to him. I don't know if you <laughs> called speaking to him because he fell asleep three times during interviews. He's an elder. He's, he's, up, he's like 98. Yeah, he's he's not in good health. We were lucky to get in touch with him. But right, we were lucky to get in touch with him. Um, first Asian right. hockey player ever Never. in the NHL. Um, Tell the fans what, you know, what he did. <laughs> He got in one shift in the final shift. game of the season and that was it. played 30 seconds. That yeah, was, was his it. whole NHL career. Well, that's also the beauty also. Right. If you take a look at the, the boxes of the guys that just had a cup of coffee, you know, so much is made of Moonlight Graham. Right. There are a lot of Moonlight There are a Grahams. thousand Moonlight Grahams that played for the New York Rangers. Like one game, one shift. Right, yeah. You know, Larry Kwan was, you know, they just had, uh, I guess two years ago was the anniversary of the first Asian hockey player ever. And when we spoke to him, he did remember the shift, but he he wasn't that's sure that's what number. He, he he believed he wore number 11. Um but varying accounts have him wearing number seven. And, but and of course, there were no videotapes of the games. Right, exactly. Right. So, so let's bring Ryan to this for a second. Ryan, what was the biggest surprise to you helping with Mark and how he worked on the book? Um, I, think, I think, like he mentioned with the discrepancies, I yeah. think the, just uh, the vastness of, I, 
specifically hockey reference. The so we started doing some of the research and we started by going by uh, you know the players, the position, the goals, the assists, the points, the penalty minutes, and we keep going. And then it became oh we're going to find the results of those games and where they were played. And if you look through the book, every single one of these boxes is filled with the date of the debut, which you know which city it was played in, the results of the game, the playoff games. And then it just keeps going after that. I mean, uh, one of the <laughs> things I like going through was uh, you find a guy with the most penalty minutes, and it kind of gave you an idea of what kind of player he was. Like, well, that's uh, the other thing. We, <laughs> w- we did want, okay, it, you know, when we started the project, I don't think we really grasped the enormity of it because yeah. we were talking about adding tables. Like, in number one, we're all basically goalies, so we were going to put down, you know, a small little box on the side, you know, out of number one, who had the most wins? You know, the other positions, goals, or, or penalty minutes and things like that, at 28, you had Ty Domi, and you also had Colt Moore. So that's mm. a number that probably had the most penalty minutes out of all the numbers. But once we started handing these things in, they said, guys, you you, you got to trim it down. I mean, because yeah. Howie had something basically, even if they played the one game, he had a little bit about them. And wow. then we, we had to scale it back, so wow. you'll see boxes <laughs> Of guys that you know played under ten games and just little information, what the debut was and things like that. So, so you you mentioned that you had to cut the announcers thing. I, I remember listening to interviews for that with uh, Kenny and Marv, and one yeah. of my favorite parts was talking about how they would get started with the tape recorders and how they got started into the yeah. business yep. like that. All yeah. So, do you guys have a story like that about how you guys got into sports broadcasting, sports writing, something like wow. that? You could share. Um, let Howie because Howie. His start is is awesome, and in some of the places he's been, and yeah. and for anyone, this is before your time. But Sports Phone is a yeah, tremendous part phone. of how he's back. We've got a lot well. of people who got their start on Sports yeah. Phone on the show. Yeah. A lot of people. That's me. Yep. Thirty nine years in the business. Yep. Yeah. Going into my twentieth as official scorer. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I I was the tape recorder guy. I listened on radio. I didn't have we didn't have MSG cable or a <laughs> Sunday night Sunday night seven oh five Ranger hockey on the radio every Sunday. That's how I got hooked. Like. Like Mark, Marv Albert was a big influence, you know, listening to him do the Knicks and the Rangers, and then eventually got to meet him and things like that, and uh, it's been quite a ride, 39 years so, in the so, sports business. So who was the first announcer you remember for Rangers, Rangers announcer? First announcer is the guy I dedicated the book Marv, to, Marv Albert. Marv. I was 10 years old, I got punished, and I was told I couldn't watch TV. Um, but my parents were, were, they were strict, but weren't so strict. So, but you can listen to radio. We're, we're, okay. we're not evil. So I would turn on the radio, and this voice just drew me in. I was 10 years old, and this voice and, you know, what he was saying, and I had never seen a hockey game, okay? okay. So I'm listening to him, and I'm visualizing this in my head, and that punishment, I think, was two weeks so oh, that I was, was I was, was, there was there he must have something really bad for oh, that. Oh, I always did things bad. But so so I think that spanned like four or five games I was able to listen to. So I couldn't wait to see what I was listening to and actually see how it played out in my, it, what it looked like because I was visualizing things in my mind and I was hooked. I, like the book says, you know, he had me and he shoots, yeah, he scores. Because the, the first Ranger announcer I remember listening to was Win Elliott. And very, very late different. Win Elliott, yeah. Win Elliott. He, he had a little problem, though. He wasn't, he wasn't descriptively graphic. Let's put it that way. <laughs> he, uh, the puck is in this corner. What corner? It's on the radio. <laughs> well, no, that, 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 that was Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon well, was Gordon very, was on very TV. minimalist. Yeah. So that's different. And the big whistle. Really and the big again, whistle. But, yeah. And Win Elliott was on radio and said, yeah, the puck is in this corner. See, so, I remember Win Elliott on CBS <laughs> Sports Central USA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I worked yeah. with Win a couple yeah. times. So 
the chapters for each number in the book from 1 to 36. And then you start grouping 37 to we 58. Had, we had to. And then the 60s, you have it's like a whole chapter just for the 60s. So what does it say about numbers and what they mean, what they used to mean, that you did like 1 through 36, and then because you didn't have as many left, you were able to group 37 to 58? It's just the number of players that wore those numbers. It's just basically, it's a numbers game in that regard. And that years ago, in the very beginning, they were just given one, two, three single numbers. As the game evolved and players got older, you know, they, they saw a different player. And if that player, like, if someone was six, like when they played youth hockey, but when they got to the big league, six was taken, they'd go to 66. So then the numbers started getting higher. Um, and then when certain players, a lot of the players that came over from Europe, the year they came in from Europe, w- they'd wear that number. Um, like Peter Klima and guys right. like that. So the numbers started getting exponentially higher. And they continue to get higher. And it's interesting, you know, just yesterday a Ranger made his debut, and that's Tony D'Angelo. And he wore 77, which is Phil Esposito's number. He actually yeah. asked Phil if he could wear it. It's not a retired number, but out of respect to Phil, he asked if it's See, okay. In baseball, when we, they had the numbers for their batting yeah. order in the early right, years, right. That was, that hockey they had the numbers for their positions. That's why the goalies wore yeah. one, right. and I guess the, the fetchmen were two and three, and then the forwards were four, five, six. Right. So there's one number for a non-player, yes, and that's Stephen McDonald. What was the process that led you to include Stephen McDonald, the number one Ranger fan in the book? I think the process is that if you are a Ranger fan over the last 20 years, I guess it is, what was the first year that they awarded the Stephen McDonald Award was in 1987. So it's more than 20 years, okay? So Stephen McDonald has been a part of the Ranger you know, family, the fabric of the Rangers, and the fact that he passed away and that last year, um, the day he passed or two days after he passed, during the pregame warm-ups, every single Ranger wore his badge number 104. So we felt that it was important. You know, he, um, it's a special award for the Rangers. It's a Stephen McDonald Extra Effort Award, and it's given each and every year to the player that epitomizes, you know, the going the extra effort and putting in the hard work that Officer Stephen McDonald did. So we felt that was important to put in there. So as we're concluding this segment, you've done three books together. Two of them are on hockey, uh, one's on baseball. Which is your favorite of the three? Wow. <laughs> it's like asking someone which of their children's children. favorite. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm asking you somebody who's wearing a Rangers jersey tonight, who's been a Rangers fan forever. This book is solely Rangers. Shoot to Thrill was hockey generally. Obviously, Tyron's Corner was Mets. Would uh, you, you know, say? It, you know, as you're into them, I think each one as you're working is your favorite. I'm just, this one, I am so proud of what Howie did with this. I, I can't begin to tell you the amount of work and research that this man did. So he only had eight months. Oh, this, right. this, I will tell you, it really long, shows as a re- work of research. It's not a long time. I mean, the yeah. other two, you know, I felt more collaboration with because it was a lot of interviews that we interspersed. This was just compiling things and getting it to Howie and going over it and back and forth, but the amount of research he did on this, but for me, you know what, I I don't want to disrespect the other two works because I I think they stand on their own as well, but I love this because even the other night at the Ranger game when they were playing the Capitals um, and, you know, um, Andre Palak was in goal. 
and he wears number 31. And he was it was going on a shutout. So quickly, I, I turned the chapter, you know, with the 31s, yeah. looked at all the goalies, went on hockey reference to see, you know, who played the Capitals because the Capitals are, you know, a, you know, not yeah. an original six, they're a post-expansion team. So they hadn't played that. A lot of the early 31s hadn't played. I found out that no number 31 had ever beaten the Washington Capitals. Dan Blackburn okay. and Alex Ald. Dan Blackburn was 0-1. Alex Ald was 0-2 as Rangers against the Capitals. <laughs> Pavlik won, and it was the first Ranger who ever wore number 31 to win. So Which just is the definition to... of esoteric. <laughs> right, but that, but that's what Kinda numbers like do. But that's what numbers do, right? I mean, we are a, a society of sports fans who live for numbers, whether it's statistics or jersey numbers, and, and you can see it on, on mm-hmm. the Facebook every day. I post a number to fe- right. find out what the first person. Is. It's not always the best player; it's just someone yeah. that triggers your mind visually. That when you hear a number, you see that jersey, and that's what this book is about. Howie, well, the kind of book's my favorite book because I'm a baseball guy first and hockey second. <laughs> But I'm proud of all my work. I'm proud to see my name on a book, along with Mark's. It shows up in a bookstore. It's kind of a thrill. It's a feeling that you really, really can't recapture from, uh, from doing anything else. So, so speaking of bookstores, where can everybody get the book? Well, right now, uh, until Tuesday, it's available on Amazon. Tuesday, it's going to be in all bookstores. Um, and you know, one thing that this book has happened already that our other two together has not. Um, after Al Troutwick mentioned it on MSG, that weekend for the entire weekend, it was number one in hockey. It's still number one in hot releases in hockey, so we're very proud of that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it, it's, it's really pretty cool. Yeah, it's so, that, so the book the book is New York Rangers by the numbers, a complete team history of the Broadway Blue Shirts by uniform number. It is by, of course, Mark Rosenman. It is by Howie Carpin. Our third book uh, their together. Thir- their third book together. <laughs> I don't know why I, I zoned out on the first one. Their third book together, and this one is. One of three. It's, uh, it's if you're well if you're a Ranger fan, priced, if you're a Ranger fan, it is really you know an important research book for your uh, your hockey bookshelf. We will be back. Unfortunately, well, I, I, talking... do want, I do want to mention one thing. Yeah. We are, I am in the process of hopefully locking it down this week. A Ranger viewing party in, in February. Okay. The Rangers play an afternoon game, February seventeenth, I believe it is, a Saturday two o'clock game. They are on the road. I am looking most likely at doing a, a viewing party at the main event in Farmingdale. Okay. Book signing. Yep. We'll have more Been details there. as they firm up, well, and it'll be on Facebook. So that's uh, so. one of the things we hope to do. Okay.